Hi, welcome to The Reference Point. My name is Mike Schick. On this episode, I interviewed Don and Laney of SpectraWave's Paranormal. They are paranormal investigators who use modern technology to capture evidence of spiritual activity. I'm really excited to share this with you all. I hope you enjoy and have a fun and safe, happy Halloween. Uh, this is Don and Laney. Um, they're with SpectraWave's Paranormal. Um, they are, what's the correct title if you want to just tell me a little bit what you guys do? Yeah, well, we're uh, Spectre Waves Paranormal, and um, uh, we professionally investigate historic locations, um, also do private investigations, um, you know, into the paranormal. Uh, if somebody's got some issues in their home or um, uh, at their place of work, um, we don't charge anything for our services. We, uh, we do it, uh, we can't really say it's a hobby. We do it kind of out of a passion, right? I would say I used to say it was a hobby, but now it's more of a passion. Yeah. 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 So uh, we've been doing it for a long time. And uh, so a little history on us is that, uh, uh, as I alluded to before, is that uh, I'm an AV guy by trade. So it was kind of a natural progression to uh, um, to kind of embrace the equipment uh, that we use to detect um, entities is that uh, there's everything from an EMF device, which is an electromagnetic frequency detection device, to uh, static detectors, to uh, something that I'm sure everybody's familiar with, uh, to some degree anyways, is uh, um, Xbox had a connect bar that actually was a camera with um, a laser grid. Mm. And uh, so it would detect your motions. Well, it turns out that uh, it not only works in that setting, but it also works in the fact of, uh, of paranormal investigating. Oh, wow. it, it can detect energy manipulation of those laser dots. And uh, we kind of rely a little bit heavily on that because sometimes you don't really see what you're interacting with. But with that device, uh, the connect device, you can actually uh, map entities that maybe you might feel a cold spot or something may uh, um, trigger you to uh, uh, to hear a bump or a noise. And sometimes you can corroborate it by um, it maps, just like it maps a person, it maps something that's disrupting that field. And so wow. the, belief, the belief is, is that you get, uh, you can actually see at least the outline of the entity. Um, you know, and, and uh, Lainey really loves that. She, I really do. It's it's my favorite device. But the thing is, you do want to debunk a couple of things. Sometimes it'll pick up like a lamp, um, yeah. a mirror. It'll pick up. Um, sometimes if there's broomstick. like um, a broomstick, right, a mop, right. stuff like that. So you do want to be kind of careful if it's picking up something that's yeah. not paranormal. Yeah. And so we, you know, and a, and a lot of this equipment, and, she, and Lainey brings up a good point, is that a lot of this equipment that we use, um, you know, uh, does does have its failings, right? I mean, it does have. Uh, you once you get to know and get and familiarize yourself with this equipment, is uh, there are certain things that you can debunk quickly. Um, just the inherent nature of the equipment. Um, there's one uh, a piece of equipment that's called an obelisk, and um, it's uh, among other things inside of this obelisk. There's a phonetic uh, dictionary, basically, that. Um, the theory is, is that if um, electromagnetic fields around this device are manipulated, that the spirit or entity can actually touch this device or and manipulate 
the device to be able to create words. And um, what we know about the Ovilus is, is that um, in given circumstances, um, this thing may go off. We've had it uh, happen a couple of times. It doesn't happen very frequently, but um, it does go off um, from time to time where it seems to be being manipulated by an entity. Is wow. that, uh, um, um, and, and so you get these one word responses from this dictionary. And um, one thing about the Ovilus is that when you turn it on, you actually get two words all the time. And, and it's funny to us is that, is that because um, I would say, would you say like we watch the competition or something, but we really don't. I mean, it is that, but if you watch ghost adventures and, and, you know, ghost hunters and anybody who uses this Ovilus device, um, we've seen them do it and we've seen them um, go, Oh my God, there's two words on there. Well, the Ovilus device does two words every time you turn it on. Uh, it does a sampling, right? Yeah. So, so it's kind of like we watch, we've seen those shows and we're like, that was not paranormal. That was actually, um, oh, that, that was, was me, your phone. So. That was your phone. Okay. <laughs> so don't worry. <laughs> there goes $10,000 down the drain. <laughs> so, so that. <laughs> um, is that, uh, and, and, you know, so, uh, it was kind of a natural progression. Uh, Lainey had experienced, uh, um, paranormal activity when she was younger. I did, but not jumping ahead really quick, but um, saying that some people would go ahead and use when they turn the obelisk on mm -hmm. and they pop out the two words for evidence. Either they don't know how it works or they really want paranormal evidence to show. So we're really about actually communicating with the other side, trying to figure out where our energy goes once we die. It's not more for show. It's more to find the real answers. Or at least attempt to, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, if it was just for show, we we can like oh, connect turn with it on and, yeah, yeah, like right. just fake a, a bunch of evidence. Right. Uh, it's crazy how much you can fake. Right. With those de those devices. Yeah, there's so. a there's a lot of other things that that walkie talkies have a tendency to uh there's a REM pod that actually detects uh creates an EMF bubble around the device and it has a little antenna and uh, so you can effectively set that off if you grab, you know, the antenna. Well, if you're on camera and you're doing an investigation, you could absolutely see that thing go off. You know, you could, yeah. you could institute it to go off. But what people don't know is, is that, is that walkie talkies will set it off. So mm. if, you, if you had an investigator and you wanted to fake some evidence, you could actually key a walkie talkie. And when you key it, it makes the device it triggers the device and the closer you are keyed with the walkie talkie, the more intense the signal becomes and the more the alarm sounds, right? There's so. been a few times, uh, Egyptian theater in DeKalb, Illinois, we were there doing a paranormal investigation and we were using the REM pod and believe it or not, it went off. I got so excited. I started screaming for Don. It was like one of my first times it went off and it was the walkie talkie sending it off. I was, I, I was really upset. It's like, no, I don't want to say it's the walkie talkie sending it off, but yeah. it was. So, uh, so, you know, and our interest into, in, you know, into the paranormal itself, like I had uh, mentioned earlier, you know, uh, Lainey had experiences when she was younger. I did. Um, God, I lived in haunted houses my whole life. Uh, when I was a little girl, we would just be hanging out downstairs and we would hear something walking above us. And not just light footsteps, it was 
boom, boom, boom. So of course my dad would go upstairs with a knife and, and try to figure out what was up there and nothing was ever found up there. There was another time I was laying in bed with mom. I was a little girl and uh, she said, Lainey, look at, do you see that? And I said, yeah, it's a baby crawling. And she said, yeah, it's a little baby crawling. We actually hmm. just talked about that the other day she was visiting here. And um, I actually totally forgot about that story until she said something to me. Wow. Um, we're trying to figure out why that little baby was appearing. What we think is um, her mom lost a baby. Um, her mom's mom has lost the baby. So the energy that's probably there from everyone either having a miscarriage or the baby passing away from some, something unfortunate that it, it just keeps I, I playing and, and it could playing. be residual or it could be, you know, it could be intelligent more than likely, though, probably if it if it didn't really if it wasn't really disturbed by you guys, it was probably. Just no, it was actually like crawling yeah. into the closet. It had a diaper on and everything. Now, I'm like probably four or five years old when this is going on. So that's like crazy. It really is. And I'm so happy that actually I wasn't scared. I was like, oh, wow. You know, <laughs> we just went to bed. And and so, uh, you know, so fast forward to Lainey and I met in 2006. Yes. And um, so it was right at the predominance of, of when ghost hunters started to come on cable and, and then ghost adventures, you know, yeah, had come on yeah. cable. And um, uh, back in like 1982, back in the early 80s, I'm dating myself, but back in the early 80s, is that uh, some friends of mine from high school and myself, we put together this uh, map for Halloween of 1982. And um, uh, this map that we put together, we called it the Map of Souls. And it was um, a local area uh, hand-drawn map that showed local area stories with their locations. And, uh, and we went to a ghost expo, which now they call them Paracons, but back in the day, they actually called them ghost expos and they weren't very popular. There wasn't stuff like that on TV. I think, you know, Unsolved Mysteries was like one of the only few things that was running on TV or in search of, uh, but, and, and so there, there was no really ghost things going on, you know, on TVs. So, um, you know, so we had sold the maps at the ghost expo and stuff. And so kind of fast forward to, Laney and I meeting and, and what we ended up doing was we ended up um, we ended up going to um, uh, going to a Halloween and uh, uh, to a Halloween uh, um, thing at a bar um, after we had met and it was right after we met we met in October ironically and so after we went we went there and um, and we were well that was Excalibur in Chicago I believe now it's called the Castle. Um, yeah. I don't even know. I think they might have even shut it down. Yeah, I think they shut it, it down. Shut down. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, that was one of our first dates, yeah, right. actually. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so it was going to a haunted location. Okay. How about that? Yeah, that right. Was on Halloween. We right. Because so. that was purported to be haunted. So we, yeah. had talked, we had talked about it and stuff, and these shows came on, and we started. I started watching the shows, and, you know, and I told Lainey, I said, you know, I've always had an interest in this. And so as she related stories to me, I, I told her about, you know, uh, some experience that I had at, at Bachelors Grove long, long time ago in the 80s when we were researching the map. So after we went and we did that, I um, 
you know, uh, I told her, I said, why don't we buy some of this equipment? I read someplace online that one of the producers said that uh, they had faked evidence on the show on Ghost Hunters specifically. And um, so I said, why don't we just go buy some stuff and, um, you know, let's try it. Let's go try to find, go to a location. And uh, so right at the time, things were starting to ramp up in different areas where people were, uh, were now sponsoring ghost hunts. So we went to, um, to Capone's Warehouse, what is purported to be Capone's Warehouse. It's on Ashland. And, um, and we had some of this equipment, and we went there, and, um, and we did our first uh, uh, spirit box. And what a spirit box is, is it's a um, radio that actually has uh, the sweep capability to go through um, the the entire radio uh, FM radio spectrum, uh, but it goes through it very fast. So um, the idea behind it is is that if an entity is in the vicinity, they can use that frequency to actually speak to you. And so if you hear a word that's formed through that sweep, that word is actually being formed over multiple channels. So mm. it's you don't really get, you know, uh, you don't really, it doesn't stop on each radio station. It just continues to sweep. So if you were to have like a, like two consonants uh, or, you know, uh, in a word, that would be a sweep of, of basically almost the entire FM spectrum to create that word. And so the theory is behind it is that disembodied uh, uh, spirits can actually communicate through that device, or you can at least detect what they're saying. And sometimes you can have conversations with them. So at Capone's warehouse, we were up in the attic area and we asked a question and we asked, you know, what is your name? And this guy came back and said, Thomas. Now it turns out afterwards that Thomas was a policeman who died outside of this warehouse in the twenties. And people have purported hearing, hearing or seeing him, um, ever since. And they believe that he still protects the property. So, um, you know, kind of after that, um, you know, we were hooked. I mean, we were like, wow, this is really cool. You know, it really did work. It, it, it was, you know, it wasn't just BS that the show was showing, you know, that these shows were showing. We actually physically had it work. And so, uh, so we were really excited and stuff. And then uh, tragedy struck, unfortunately. And, um, and Lainey um, got sick and uh, she got diagnosed with uh, leukemia. Wow. Is, uh, a deadly form of leukemia. It was AMLAPLM3. Um, I didn't know I had it. Uh, one day I'm cooking dinner and I'm putting away the dishes after we eat dinner. And I looked at Don. I thought I said something funny, but apparently I didn't. And um, I looked at him supposedly and my facial expressions were just crazy. I fell down. I went into a grand mal seizure. Um, as I fell down, I hit my head. So blood was spewing out. Blood was coming out of the nose, out of the ears eyes everywhere and um it was like the worst seizure you can have so i get out of the seizure and he called the paramedics and some help and um i'm like well why are you guys here nothing happened i'm okay they're like ma'am we got to take you to the hospital let's go I'm like no 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 i'm fine i don't know what you're talking about i couldn't even recall i went through a seizure at all a grand mal seizure um finally they convinced me to go in uh, they took me to Payless Hospital and, um, you know, they first asked, 
oh, okay, we know he beats you. We know he hurts you. That's why you got all these, you know, you are all messed up looking. And a couple of days prior to that, I was having these really big bruises that were appearing for no reason. So I'm sure those people seeing me all bruised up and my head banged up, they were trying to tell me that, you know, he's abusing me or something. So I'm like, no, no, no. So finally, the doctor came in and she said, listen, you're about a day away from all your organs shutting down. You are pouring blood out. As, I mean, it's just insane. Um, we're going to do a bone marrow biopsy. So they did a bone marrow biopsy and it was 99% leukemic cells in my body. Wow. So immediately they rushed me over to Loyola University Hospital in Maywood. And um, I was in the ICU department, God, for what, four, four or five months? Yeah, four months. Yeah. Four months. And um, so when I got there, they finally told me, you know, listen, you got to start planning your last rites. You got to, you know, get it together that you're probably going to pass away. Your organs are going to be shutting down your heart, your liver. Um, it was hard to accept it because I'm like, no, I'm not sick. I'm fine. You know, I, I, I yeah, I mean, I, you didn't, was, you know, yeah, leukemia was, is one of those things where you don't really feel sick. Right? No, no, no. I mean, you really felt normal. So I had such a good mindset. Now, as fast as I was losing blood, they were putting blood in me. So the blood would not stay inside me. And so I started getting weaker and weaker. But mentally, my mindset was like, hey, I'm going to beat this. Um, I got so much more I want to do. I want to go to school. I want to continue my paranormal investigating. So finally, they use arsenic. And what was the other one? Atra. Atra. Which is a, a, a high lethal dose of vitamin A. And that's yes. how they cured it. And, and, be, and, and this was a clinical trial before this. If she had had this probably five years prior, she would have been dead. Wow. Um, uh, the, uh, the prognosis for her type of leukemia, which is super rare, um, was, uh, basically 99% uh, death rate. There was nothing that cured it. You just basically died of it is wow. that. And now ironically, after this clinical, these clinical trials, and now they use it as the mainstay treatment for her type of leukemia. Um, she ended up, um, uh, well, everybody who has this type of leukemia uh, now has a 99% remission rate. Wow. Is, that, is that all because, so they basically consider it a cure. Um, yeah. Is that, so now she's been in remission for six years, but here's the ironic thing. You may be asking yourself like, why the hell is he telling me this story? And why is oh, she no, telling I, I, I is that all going somewhere? <laughs> is that, is that, uh, so the big thing that came out of this, right? is that because we'd investigated a couple of other places as well prior to her sickness. And what came out of this was, was that Lainey, um, I used to, we would go on location someplace and, 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 um, and do our investigation. And I'd be like, Hey, do you want to go to the second floor? And she'd be like, okay. <laughs> I'd be like, you want to go, you know, downstairs well, in the basement. Uh, previously before that, when um, I was first born, I actually came out and I was pretty much not breathing and I was pretty much dead at the beginning. So they tried reviving me, um, took a while to revive me back and they did. So I really had a passion for the paranormal. Now what's on in me investigating, you know, it's a couple, it's a little bit kind of hard. So you'll have disagreements. He wants to go somewhere. I want to go somewhere. 
And I'm kind of the person I'll just give up and be like, okay, whatever. So, but I kind of knew where to go, but I didn't know why I wanted to go there. And it wasn't worth a fight at all. <laughs> so, so, so after her sickness, right, is that uh, when we, when we decided to uh, start this back up and start investigating again, is that um, uh, Lainey would be like, hey, I really, really want to go behind the screen or I really want to go. And so we would go and. Inevitably, and so close to death for him not to fight. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so inevitably, right, she would um, she would pick a spot and we would get evidence. So he finally listened. And for some reason, he had more faith in me this time. It seemed like. Yeah. And sure enough, every time I picked a spot, we got evidence. Wow. We would get something on the SLS. We would get something on a spirit box. And it wouldn't just be one or two uh, devices going off. A bunch of devices would go off. So I think being so close to that death plane has gotten me closer to trying to connect with the other side. I mean, death has always been at my doorstep. So there's <laughs> right. got to be a reason why I'm still here. I mean, I keep getting another chance, another chance. And now I'm so fascinated with the passion of investigating with the paranormal. I mean, it. Right. The locations we go to every single time I tell you to go in a room, we get something. Oh, we do. Remember that time? God, where was it with the guy that hung him? Oh, that was at the uh, uh, Fowler Theater yeah. in Indiana. Yeah, I watched the video of that one. That one was kind of that one. That one was the one where I, I was like, I kind of started like looking, doing some research on your videos. And that was the one where I couldn't, you know, I kind of go in with a skeptical mind. And I was just like, I can't unexplain that. Like, that's that's seems very plausible like there was a lot going on and you know the shapes that were being made and and what was being picked up on the on the meters and stuff like that seemed very like that's what that's what made me go like okay i'm gonna reach out to them because i need to know more about it <laughs> um, and, and and ironically right uh you know dwight's an avid uh uh paranormal guy in his own right and um uh, he's the um what is he volunteer yeah he, at, he's um, like in the charge Fowler of, theater in uh Fowler, indiana yeah and so so um uh we had a static cam running on that particular investigation as i'm sure you may have seen um is that so the static cam was up by the projection booth and um so we had gone outside to take uh to take some pictures and to uh, take a little break and um so uh after we had wrapped up and we brought the equipment home and I, I went and look, started to look through the videos is that um, I always first start looking at the static cams that we set up and a static cam for everybody is just a camera that we don't man that we just set up in some environment and just let it run. So, and, and we, you may see us walk through the environment. You may hear us in the background, but uh, generally we're not tapping that camera at all for anything. And um, sure, it's, like, it's a motion sensor, basically. Well, on the on the one that we that's a game camera, okay. but but on the on sometimes we just set up a camera and just let it go. Oh, you're talking yeah. about that? Yeah. Okay, I thought you were talking about the one. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, so we had that camera up in, up in the uh, uh, by the projectionist booth, and uh, when I reviewed the evidence, all of a sudden I heard, "Mom." Yeah. And it was a little boy's voice, and it said, "Mom." Well, Dwight had closed circuit cameras running at the time. So he went back after I, we caught this, he went back to his archive and actually listened for at the same time frame, except he caught his and it sounded like mom. <laughs> so, wow. so, yeah. but it was 
corroborated by two separate devices that had no interaction whatsoever. Um, and uh, uh, so that really inspired Dwight to start doing a lot more investigating there and stuff. And uh, we have since uh, met up with Dwight and went to Old Benton County Jail. But we didn't know Dwight prior to going to the, the theater. No, he And didn't. he was kind of into it, but not really into it. I mean, now he is posting videos like crazy. <laughs> Ever since we went there, he's trying to get the same little boy's voice that says, Mom. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, so because somebody else, some other paranormal group that uh, uh, predated us had gone there and they had captured uh, what sounded like a little boy's voice, but uh, it was indiscernible. You couldn't really tell what, what the little boy was saying. Right. Is that, um, and so, um, but yeah, that, that particular investigation, Lainey was, uh, you know, uh, had, we had walked out and she hadn't even discussed it with me. And generally what we do in our, our, on our investigations is that we don't ask for a lot of information. We, they can tell us like, you know, yeah, well, this place is kind of purported to be haunted, but we don't really want to know a ton of stuff. Like yeah, we don't want to know what, yeah. yeah. And, and so, so we, uh, but we will through the course of the investigation, as we start to find things, then we reach out to the people who are facilitating the, that particular building or what have you, and we'll start asking them questions. Right. And, and, and then that's when we start, cause we don't want to be influenced and saying, okay, we know we got to look up at this seat over here because that's what, or a lot of people said that they saw an entity, right? Um, we want to experience ourselves, but in this particular case, we had gone back out there to talk to Dwight and I, Laney didn't even share this with me. And then out of nowhere, and now we have it on video, but out of nowhere, Laney says, did somebody hang themselves? I just got this feeling we were behind the curtain on the theater in the theater are in the, um, yeah, in the theater. And it was just this sad, depressed feeling that someone just like gave up and hung themselves. And when I told Dwight about that, he's like, oh my God, yeah, we haven't made it really public, but there has been someone that hung themselves behind the curtains. So knowing that I was so right about that, it's like, if I allow myself to really try to tap in and just try to, I mean, just allow it to happen. I mean, it's a little scary when someone's like, yeah, that really did happen. And it's very intriguing. And yeah, it's amazing how much more power I might have that I can unlock or help other people or reconfirm that there is something going on. And maybe that's why I'm still here. I'm, I'm sure you probably have a mission to be here. You never yeah. know. You never yeah. know. Is that, so. it, and you know, and, and we've done, you know, over the course of, uh, of time, we've done a lot of investigations in different, you know, parts of the country. And, um, you know, uh, so not primarily in Illinois, there's not a lot of places that, uh, that you can go that are sanctioned for ghost, uh, investigating, but, um, there are other places that, um, that across the country, Ohio, Indiana, um, Michigan, is that, uh, and, and so we've gone to, you know, we drive three hours, four hours and we'll go investigate and then we'll come home and the sun will be coming up. And <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we also help to restore some of these facilities that are, um, you know, they've been abandoned for years. It's fallen apart. So, um, we try to help them also. And we try to give them answers. Some of these people have been researching forever, trying to find out history of the building and so when we get some kind of evidence, they're like, oh, yeah, 
you know, um, like the Thomas story at Al Capone's warehouse, mm -hmm. you know, it reconfirms that that entity is still hanging around. Right, right. Have you guys ever been to the Seelbach Hotel in Louisville, Kentucky? No. We have not. Oh, that was, um, there's a, a story there that I, I, I stayed there, was it two, two or three years ago now, and uh, just kind of went on a solo trip, picked a spot on the map, and I was like, oh, I can get there in four hours, cool. And I go and stay there, and uh, I mean, kind of like what you were saying about the energy and, and the vibes and stuff like that, but it was like, I felt it first, and then obviously confirmed later, but like, um, their story there, and, and you can find tons of information on this if you guys ever want to take a day trip and, and go down there and, and um, they'll probably let you, you know, do something. But uh, they had a woman that had fallen down an elevator shaft years and years and years ago. And um, the story was that, like, she was waiting for her husband and her husband died on the way there. And she just gave up all hope and went down an elevator shaft. So, like, back in the 70s or 80s was when people started seeing a woman in a blue dress walk through an elevator door, but the elevator door would be closed. And then on the same, like within the same time frame, there'd be somebody on a different floor that would see her walk off the elevator. Um, but that was like one of those nights where I stayed there and, you know, they tell you the story and then you're just like in your room trying to like, all right, uh, how close am I to the elevator? <laughs> it's like, uh, what room am I in? Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy when you, when you feel the energy and then you sort of get that like little bit of like confirmation of like, oh yeah, that, that's, that explains that feeling or, or whatever it is. And now, have you been uh, always sensitive with the paranormal? I mean, I'm, I'm a very skeptical person, so I'll always look for a, what it could have been, right? Like I had a friend one time that had hung a picture up on a, on a shelf in her house. And it was a, a relative that had passed away. And then she had some knickknacks and tchotchkes on the, on the same shelf. And shortly after this person's birthday, things started falling off that shelf. And I, I walk in one day and I'm like, and they just had a party and like it happened after the party. And and I was like, you just, and they're relatively new to this house. And, um, and I'm looking and I, and I, I go and look at the shelf just to see if it's wobbly or anything. And I'm like, um, did, did your wife clean recently? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, this, feel this. And it was like lemon pledged, like had that oil slick, <laughs> like, you know, just super slippery. And I'm like, okay, this might be that but it could also be the fact that this is like oil slick slippery and like any sort of bump in the house is going to cause something to go flying off of it. And then, you know, like that, you know, like I'm that kind of person, but then there's things like, you know, I can't explain. And what I'm really interested in, and, and as far as most of most ghost stories or most stories that involve the paranormal is I'm really in, I'm really interested in like the culture of it all. And depending on where you are in the country or the world, even a lot of the stories stem around things that have happened that were pretty significantly happened culturally. Right. So like you got Al Capone in Chicago and everything that's happened. And then you also got like, obviously the Eastland disaster and whole house and all these other places, but like a lot of it, like, 
I'm going to throw a number out there, but like 75% of it all traces back to Capone. Like if we didn't have Capone in Chicago, there'd be no ghosts. <laughs> he is everywhere. Every yeah. time we pretty He's much go to an inv- um, a haunted location, someone's like, oh yeah. Someplace in the Midwest. Yes. Yeah, right. right. Barrett has right. been here. Not only in the Midwest. Has it been only in the Midwest? Or No, I mean, well, for a lot of the locations that we've gone to, though, they're always like, oh yeah, Al Capone, uh, you know. <laughs> From you here know. to Kentucky, I would say. Like yeah. between Chicago and Kentucky, that's it's a lot. And then you go to San Francisco and you got his prison cell. And yeah, I mean, yeah, right. he's, he's the busiest guy I know. He's more yeah. busy now than I think he was when he was alive. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> but exactly. then, like, go into the South, and a lot of the, the ghost stories there involve the, you know, Civil War. And around the time of, you know, anniversaries of certain battles, you could smell gunpowder and perfume in the air. And then you go out west and you get a lot of the Native American myths and lores. Now theirs is interesting because a lot of theirs is based off of mistrust, which makes sense because if you're Native American, like the worst thing you can do is trust somebody because look what happens. Right. Um, you know, so like they're, they're a lot of theirs, um, you know, involve like, if, you know, don't pick up hitchhikers and, you know, don't look back at them or don't, you know, uh, don't trust a coyote because they could be, you know, something else. And, you know, so like there's there's all these different, you know, um, and that's really what I'm interested in is, is trying to find that cultural connection. Um, actually, the previous podcast, if you've found it, it's it's buried. But the one that I did before was uh, I stumbled upon uh, a story about fairy rings, which are these uh, circles of mushrooms that grow in like England and Ireland and basically a lot of areas that had a lot of pagan slash um, uh, Catholic uh, conflicts, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the um, a lot of the the lore in those parts of the world is like if you happen to see a circle of mushrooms, you don't mess with it. And in, even though Catholicism is the the um, religion of the times, and that's an old pagan belief, it's still one of those things. Like, hey, we don't necessarily believe in that stuff anymore, but let's not mess with it just to be safe you know like they right. won't build a house if there's like a fairy ring growing somewhere they'll just be like okay let's find a property to you know break ground because this might not have a a, a good you know and, it, and it's it's so fascinating to me um what i, I want to get to because a, a lot of my friends and people that will probably listen to this are all from like the chicagoland area um what have been your experiences at bachelor's growth well, that's interesting. Is that uh, is that uh, I had my own personal uh, experience. Uh, I alluded to it earlier. Is that w- when I was doing research for the Map of Souls, um, this was back in the day that you know there was no cell phones, right? It was the '80s. So um, I went there and I took a Polaroid camera with me, and uh, so I was just taking pictures. And the uh, gravestone, I to this day I cannot find this picture, but. The gravestone that's finished on one side that has the uh, the, the small baby headstone um, next to it, um, and it's unfinished on one side and, and finished on the other side. Um, I had taken pictures around there, just was taking pictures of the headstone itself, and on the third picture that I took, there was such a big mist over the top of the tombstone that you couldn't even see the top of the tombstone. It looked like somebody had blown smoke, you know, in front of the camera, um, you know, over the tombstone. And um, um, so recently we had gone to Bachelors uh, 
don't know, a couple years ago. And um, we were trying out some new equipment, so we figured we'd go there. And uh, we happened to hit it at a time where there wasn't a lot of people. It was uh, getting later in the day. And so there might have been one or two people at the other side of the cemetery. So um, we were uh, running experiments with the new equipment, and um, um, we were doing an EVP session, uh, which is just taking a standard digital recorder and turning it on and asking questions. And later on reviewing um, if you hear any disembodied voices in there or any intelligent voices responding to anything that you're asking. So we were over one of the gravestones and um, I was asking questions and um, we would play it back intermittently and didn't hear anything. And uh, what, you know, when it happens a lot there, you know, you spend a lot of time during investigations, not getting anything. So you go to a lot of places and you just sit there or walk around and nothing really happens. So um, I had done one more EVP session and then we left and I came home and I said, uh, so I was listening to the audio on the EVP session and uh, the second one. And I had said, now we've never posted this. So you have an exclusive on this <laughs> is that uh, I had said, um, does anybody uh, uh, want to talk to us? Does anybody want to come out and play? And what do I get in the background? No. Wow. It was awesome. Is, and now, mind you, it was like 5.30 in the afternoon. The sun was still out. It wasn't dark and foreboding or anything. Uh, right. But, but uh, that was probably one of the clearest EVPs that I've ever gotten. And it just happened to be at Bachelor's. And it was super clear. Super clear. But we didn't hear it with our own ears, which nope. is really weird. So hey. it's, yeah, hours sometimes we spend just like like viewing the evidence, listening to evidence, and it could get kind of boring sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no question about it. But when you get that payoff, you're all psyched. It's then, like right? so worth it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, you know, we, we have so many other senses, too. It's like touch, sight, taste, feel. You know, you're you're... Your, body, your brain isn't paying attention to all those sensory inputs all at once. So it's like, you know, it might miss our ears or our vision, but, you know, a device might pick it up because its sole dedication is to... Is to do that, that, right. Yeah, just that. It doesn't have a brain, right? So right. Um, I think I, I think one of the things that I, I you know, was I wrote down um, to ask, because I, I found it interesting that you guys seem very, like, almost playful with when you're trying to encourage something to interact with you guys. And it, it's, it, it almost seems like you're inviting it and, and which obviously you want to, um, but like, uh, does it ever just creep you out or do you always feel like excited? Like, have you ever felt like, Ooh, maybe, maybe this is a stone we shouldn't turn. <laughs> I tell you what is that I don't I I can say that that uh, with all honesty is that is that it's an exciting time sometimes it's a boring time uh, but it uh, I'm all we're always excited we're we're always on the precipice of of, of wanting to uh, acquire evidence and get more information for our own goal uh, which is exactly what Laney had said you know I I think it's really um, what you make it um, your mindset basically if you want it to be like really boring it's going to be boring and but if you just like have your mindset like okay there's something here i know i can find something 
whether it be a different dimensional shift or, you know, are we in a parallel universe? I, I mean, there's, if it's not haunted, there's gotta be something else also. And that's touching on something that's causing completely it, right? different. I know that, but um, most of the time I try to have fun with it. I really do. And I don't, I mean, we don't really touch demonic stuff at all. We try to stay away from that. Um, if we feel something is really negative, we try not to encourage it. Um, I'm a big advocate of crystals and sage and trying to protect myself with crosses. I find that very important because I know that I'm probably very sensitive and um, I'm sure somehow they can manipulate me even more because I'm so sensitive. So every full moon that comes, I'm outside charging crystals. Um, I'm always trying to research more ways to protect myself because this is so real. I mean, I, I know like there's a lot of skeptics out there, but um, it, it's crazy real. I believe that. I really do that. think that something can mess with your head or cause you to turn very negative and there's so much negativity out there right now and so. i think and i think that when we do our investigations you know uh pursuant to kind of what mike yeah, said right yeah. is that when we do our investigations i think that that uh that just out of attrition we we keep it upbeat um and, and not so foreboding and intense is because i think it uh that kind of differentiates us a little bit and we don't do it intentionally. It just happens to be our personalities. But um, is that, uh, uh, and I think it's more inviting. I mean, if you were a spirit, right, would you really want to be, I mean, think about this, right? Is that, would you really want to be, uh, go interact with people who were like, who were like, are you Satan? You are Satan. <laughs> or would you want to be like, you know, uh, go with the friendly people, right? right. Is, that, uh, is that you'd want to, you'd, you'd feel more at ease you know, and, and the way one of the things that I think a lot of people don't really uh, uh, think about, but we do, is that when we're invited into a historic location or someone's home, right? Um, think of uh, uh, we try to think of the entity in the respect of how we would feel if we were if we believe that we still own that home and somebody came in, right? You don't want, you wouldn't want like a nasty human being coming into your house, right? I mean, you wouldn't really invite those people in. You would right. want, you would want somebody who, uh, who you could relate to, you know? And so we try to uh, always think, and, and we don't really put it on our evidence reels and stuff, but um, as, as, you know, a common course of action, we always try to thank uh, them for inviting us. Um, you know, uh, we try to compliment the home just like you would for a living person. And we found that that usually gives us uh, uh, more interaction than, um, you know, and I don't think we've ever tried it the other way um, of really been uh, yelling and stuff, but, uh, and that even goes for prisons. You know, not, now Lainey got her hair pulled um, one time in uh, um, Crown Point. At the same time, the millimeter was going off. We had some really good numbers shooting up on our devices. Um, it was awesome. What it felt like was static electricity. And I'm sure you heard that if you watch some of the other videos, but it's a really cool feeling and it's exciting because you actually saw the hair rise up on um, my head. Just, just like you would do if you took a balloon and did the static electricity uh, kind of thing on, on hair. It was the same kind of thing. And, um, uh, you know, and have, have we been totally spooked? Um, uh, again, we try to stay away from 
like really dark entities, uh, you know, or uh, dark demonic things. We uh, we don't engage them. Um, and uh, so we really don't want to take anything home with us. I try to go in acting, I mean, being not scared because I'm sure they're scared too of us. I, I mean, yeah. fairy, I, I'm sure it's they don't know us. We don't know them. So don't be scared of them. Just try to be so inviting. And of course, set your boundaries, of course. And, and we always try to realize that they were human beings at one point. Or and whatever it is, whether it be what, a right. human being or a parallel universe or a dimensional shift or or residual energy that just keeps replaying itself. Right, right. Is that uh, is that? But you know, one one time in particular um, is that um, we were at Crown Point Jail. It was the second time we were there, oh, yeah. and um, uh, we have never since experienced that much activity, all in a minute and fifteen seconds. Um, we were on the third floor. Um, the video is entitled high activity. Um, but we were on the third floor and of course, uh, it's an old jail and the third floor was the, uh, juvenile hall. So there's bunk beds in there. There's, they still are there and, um, there's metal stairs that lead up there. And, uh, when Laney and I were up there and we had the spirit box going, uh, we weren't really getting any spirit box interaction. Um, but every time I went to go try to take a picture, I was getting streaks in front of the camera. And, it, uh, and so I had alluded to that to Lainey and told her, listen, you know, I, I keep getting these streaks, these white streaks in front of the camera for no reason. And just as I said that um, on the video, uh, and it, it always is better if you, if you put headphones on to listen, but you can physically hear somebody coming up the metal stairs. Now, it was only me and Lainey there. There was nobody on the third floor, second floor, uh, the lady who had let us in was in the front parlor, uh, which is at the other side of the entire building. Um, and you heard uh, something come up the stairs, and then there was a bark or a growl. Um, the spirit box finally, after, I don't know, probably 20 minutes of going off, it finally said what? And then there was a giant bang at the, uh, at the back side of the wall. But it wasn't just walking up the stairs. It was like, boom, 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 like running up the stairs. Right. And, and at the same time, we have um, a big bang and then the spirit box goes off. It's like, what? So we start like backing into each other and we looked at each other. We're like, oh, OK, let's continue the pictures. <laughs> it was kind of cool because so we wanted after, more. Right. After it all ended. But but you can see our reaction, uh, uh, you know, on camp. Well, I'm. It's from my perspective, because uh, uh, I was shooting Laney and shooting the uh, the incident that, you know, as it was going on. But you could basically see, you know, is that uh, is that we were a little bit frightened and taken back, but then absolutely stayed on point. And, you know, that's kind of the key if you're really trying to gain evidence. Right. So there are some times that that things are a little bit frightening for us, but uh but, you know, for the most part, we try to keep it light because we think it attracts more entities. I think that's a, well, I think that's a lot of people do it and they get so scared where I think it scares them away. And they're probably like, that's what you wanted. Right. And now you're scared. So we try not to very much. So be scared no, at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. And we've gone into some some deep, dark areas that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you wouldn't want to be in. I was actually at a place pretty recently. Um, 
I'm not allowed to say what it is because I told my friend about this podcast and he's like, don't mention it because I don't want people to like check it out. But um, I mean, the place it was built in the Civil War. Uh, It housed Civil War soldiers returning from the war. And that's all I'm going to say about it. But like it uh, it was one of those places where, you know, we went deep in the belly of it. And it is just it, it just had this thing like, oh, there were a lot of things happening here at some point, you know, like, like you could just tell, like it, it, it almost felt like, I mean, it hadn't been occupied since like the sixties or seventies. Um, and it just, it felt like they just left, you know, like it, it, like it was in bad shape, you know, it's not in the greatest shape of places, but, um, yeah, just had that residual sense of, uh, you know, occupancy, you know, like, right. You know, in hotels, it's like, you know, when a guest just checks out, you know, it's like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, some things, I mean, and I don't know how to explain it. And it's, it's just a weird, you know, it's a feeling, right? You get that, that guttural, like, um, you know, mo- notion and, and you don't know what to make of it, but yeah, it's like, all right, let's keep moving. <laughs> it was something you probably didn't really want to mess with. I'm sure. Well, it's, it's it actually didn't feel bad to be honest. It, it felt like I said, like it, it, like it just happened, you know, like it, it just, it, it didn't feel like a place that, you know, you walk into like an old banquet room and even though there hadn't been an event in there in two weeks, it feels like there was an event two weeks ago. Right. Like that's, that's the feeling I used to get in the Knickerbocker on the 14th floor was that you would be up there and the doors would be closed when you got off the elevator and you just had the feeling that you would open the doors and see a party. And you'd open it and wouldn't see anything. And then all of a sudden you'd hear the chandeliers move and realize, oh, the heat just kicked on. But, you know, you try to wait for that elevator call to come back up. And, oh, God, hurry up. Where's the elevator? Like, <laughs> so it was just, yeah, the 14th floor at the Knickerbocker was, was one of those places that, you know, it always felt like uh, that, I mean, I'm sure you've seen The Shining, but like, you know, that picture of that, that, that famous picture where he looks and sees everybody right. gathered in front of the, like, that's what it would feel like before the doors opened. Like just that, if you could picture that picture with mm-hmm. all people dressed up and, you know, and, and you'd go up there and, and, but it'd be vacant. You could hear a pin drop, but it, that feeling was like, but that energy still resided there. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt crowded, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and but yeah, that, and that was a similar feeling uh, that that I experienced at this other place that I was at recently, where it just kind of felt like it. Ju- we just missed it, you know, like 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 it was twelve thirty on New Year's Day, and you know everyone went home already. Like that's that <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So, is that uh, is that and you know and, and we've had uh, um, you know one of the one of the key things that I wanted to uh, uh, to touch on that. Uh, that we seemingly touch on a lot, um, but we think it's it it it's really a, uh, a a story that really needs to be shared. Um, is in pursuit of our truth of trying to figure out, you know, um, are these entities, are these you know other supernatural things? Is it a parallel universe? Is it you know some kind of crossover uh, from an energy uh, portal type thing? One of the things that uh, that uh, happened to us was at um, McPike Mansion, 
uh, which is in Alton, Illinois. And um, we were doing an investigation there. We were, we'd come to find out that Ghost Adventures had been there three weeks prior to us. And um, so uh, that being said, we continued on with our investigation. We, uh, we were doing spirit box session in the foyer. And behind us are two leaded glass doors that the doors are, you, they're very opaque and you can't see through the doors themselves. So as we're doing the investigation, Lainey says, listen, I just saw a red light and a white light outside those doors. Now we had equipment out on the porch. So I said, oh shit, we've got a, equipment out on the porch. We gotta go. And so we open up the doors and we walk out there, meaning, and we've left the static cam running that was taping us doing the uh, spirit box session. And we were getting hits on the spirit box. We were getting some, uh, you know, some words that were coming back that sounded uh, intelligent responses to what we were asking. We go outside, we go look at the equipment and to our own ears, no equipment, no EMF meters, no cameras, no digital recorders, just us. And we hear, Now, mind you, this house sits in a residential area. It's just a normal neighborhood. It's not a farm. There's no farms around there. There's no anything. And you hear us off camera. And I say, I go, Lainey, did you hear that? And she goes, yeah, it's horses. And I go, yeah, it's like horses on cobblestone. And it continues on for about a minute. And you can hear what sounds like wheels, like wagon wheels, on what would what you could you know if you've ever taken a ride in any of the carriages you know downtown um that same sound when they hit uh concrete is the same sound we were hearing and fortunately the static camera picked it up and um so fast forward to uh, uh we were anxious to see what ghost adventures caught when they were there and uh, so they had aired the episode we were there in august they had aired the episode in january um, so we sat down and we watched the episode halfway through the episode, uh, Zach is sitting out in front of, um, on the front lawn of, uh, McPike mansion. And she, he says, you guys hear that? It's horses. It's like horses on cobblestone. He says it identical to what I had said literally six months prior. Wow. So, um, and it's very, very rare. I don't think there's any place else that you have corroborating evidence from two different teams. It's very rare that, that teams will get the same evidence in the same location. You may get bits and pieces, and there might be a little bit more active areas, but generally you don't get the same identical pieces of, uh, of uh, evidence. And to hear the same thing, uh, I was shocked. I was totally blown away that, that I saw that. Yeah. How we caught the audio was we had uh, a camera set up in the foyer. So that's how loud it was. The horses walking on cobblestone. Ah. And we, we both just looked at each other. And um, shortly after that, a couple of months later, after we posted the evidence, uh, one of the neighbors on that street of McPike Mansion contacted us and said, listen, you guys, uh, we hear that every so often. And uh, no one's ever able to capture it, any kind of audio and um, so she wants us to know that th this happens a lot. And it's just so weird to me that we don't really hear about that more. 
Right, right. I mean, and uh, uh, you know, and so uh, it was interesting enough that the Alton newspaper actually ran a, uh, our story about it. Yes, is that uh, is that so? We were happy about that. Um, you know, yeah. but but uh, yeah. you know, you talk about you know, there are points in time during your investigations where things really stick out to you, and and that was one of them. I got to say, is that that was uh, that was that was probably for being on an investigation. That was probably one of the cooler things that that happened that day and being corroborating also with the neighbor and, and, ghost, and ghost adventures, adventures. yeah of also. all people right yeah you know yeah when i when i worked at the double tree i i worked maintenance on sundays and mondays and the maintenance uh office was in the basement and every i wouldn't say every night but every every once in a while like around 11 12 o'clock at night usually when i was getting ready to leave i would hear uh, like somebody was walking down the uh, hallway, but upstairs uh, in heels. Like you would hear the he like a woman walking on heels, and uh, I would always try to like run up, and because it took a while to get from like the office to like run up and see who was walking in the heels. Because I'm like, who's here? Like I know everybody that's working right now. Like I know that we're not busy. Like there's no guests arriving, or and if they are, why do I always hear it? right when I'm about to like get off my, my shift. So at one point I had uh, the security guys, like uh, we, we had two security guys that would work on the weekends and stuff. So um, that became their hobby was to figure out, the one guy would sit in the room where all the cameras were and one guy would sit in the, in the downstairs and listen for the, the heels. Cause I mean, it wasn't just me who heard the heels. And I'm wondering like, is it a leaky pipe? Is it, you know, but it would, you would hear it travel, you know, in sequence, like going further away from you, you know? So it wasn't like a stagnant sound and it wasn't like, uh, you know, it could have been something dripping or, or I don't know. It was just always this, like all, and it would go down the hallway. And I remember one day I came in, it was like three o'clock in the morning and I like forgot something or, you know, it was like one of those nights where, you know, went to Bourbon Street and had a swing back and pick up <laughs> or something. And uh, I go down there and I'm looking for my, you know, whatever I left at work. And and I open up the office door and uh, sure enough, security guy sitting on there with the radio and the he's radioing the guy in the in the um, upstairs in the office. And I'm like, how long have you guys been doing this? <laughs> And he's like, dude, it's so weird. It's like we hear it at different times, but different, you know, it's like, and we're just trying to see if we see anything like, you know, on, on the cameras, just walking down the hallway there. But it was just always one of those things where like as security guys, I mean, I guess, you know, you, you want to make sure that there's everyone's being accounted for and, you know, there's no one just running down the hallways at night and like they, they were just baffled and I was baffled. And it was just one of those things that we're like, all right, we're just going to accept that this happens. And you know, this is, and um, just move on. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. more than likely it's probably residual. Is yeah. That, is that, is yeah. there anything that you know that probably kind of happened? That was that uh, place has a few stories. Um, yeah. you know, uh, I, and, and I'm trying to think, there's, I mean, that, that place has been there since like, I think the sixties or seventies, it used to be like the Red Lion lounge or something like that. It was one of those places that was like a truck stop kind of place. Um, right. right. Uh, 
you know, there were things that happened when I worked there that I wouldn't even want to like mention because I mean, there's still people that, you know, I know that would go, oh yeah, don't, don't bring that up. But like, I mean, this was before anything that happened happened, but you know, we've, we've had some incidences and, and, um, so from, it's, it's quite possible, you know, it's just active. Um, well, and, and that's the one thing, right? I mean, you know, things like prisons, things like hotels, things like theaters, right? Yeah. Um, you know, any place where there's, uh, it seems to be, you know, uh, one of the things that we've discerned is that uh, <clears throat> more so than houses, yeah. houses just seem to have, they, they might have some historic uh, uh, um, legacy to them or um, more of a, uh, not historic on the sense of, uh, of a public history, but a private history. Um, you know, and, and generally it, it tends to be more compartmentalized in that house. Um, but with historic locations or with locations that were open to the public, they seem to be the ones that retain the, the most energy and are the most active. Things like old opera houses, jails, um, you know, and, and hotels. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a influx of so many, so much humanity especially one that that has legacies of 100 years or even 50 years right i mean how yeah. many people have walked in and out of that that location for how long you know so so uh, you know it it, it 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 it's definitely something that uh that i you know definitely hotels i mean you you get all kinds of types that actually stay there or go there or you know have been involved in things there god only knows what some of those people do um <laughs> Whether it be like dark magic or, I mean, God, the doors that, that they could open. I mean, we just did, we just did the in. Roth house and uh, uh, the owner of the Roth house had told us that, uh, you know, that uh, he had asked if we had Ouija boards with us. And I said, no, yeah. we, we don't conduct Ouija board, you know, seances or anything. And he said, well, thank God. He said, because, you know, he goes, I had this group of people that came in and, um, and, you know, they basically, uh, uh, I didn't really ask that question before. And, and he said, and after they left, there was a, you know, uh, he said there, there was a darkness in here and there was a darkness in here for years. And, and he said, he, actually little kids with the Ouija board. Right. I believe he was saying, and he didn't invite them in. He caught them in the basement. They were local neighborhood kids. Mm. And right afterwards, it was so dark there. Yeah. That, he said um, it was dark. He said he didn't want to even, he said, that's why he it, shut it down to, for it, people to come in and investigate. It even affected him. Too. Yeah. Yeah, that's so what he, he said. So he shut down all paranormal investigations, just everything for a couple of years. And just wow. recently he opened it up and we were able to investigate it. Yeah, that took forever. We were we were <clears throat> trying to get him to to let us in there for like 3 years. Right. Um, you know, and um and every time, you know, he would never get back to us or uh, he would he actually got back to us I think it was in 2000 the end of 2017 and basically said uh said nope, I'm shutting it down and um, you know, don't bother me anymore, basically. And uh, so, and then I noticed that the, that he had let somebody else in like not too long ago. And we just went there in July. 
and he was right. more willing to have us back now. So he's in a better place. He's more happier and it's awesome. So, so, so yeah, so we were able to investigate there, but that place has a history of seances. Not only is it one of the more historic places, but it also has a history that, that you don't, it's like an underlying history that in the front par parlor, they used to do seances all the time, like at the turn of the century. So yeah. even after all this stuff happened with Mary, uh, Mary Roth and, uh, um, you know, and, and her uh, possession of uh, Lancy, Lancy, whatever the hell her name was, <laughs> is that, um, you know, and that was documented. I mean, you know, uh, that girl took on Mary Roth's uh, personality and all of her knowledge uh, to the point where they even tested her um, and she could read books being blindfolded. Wow. Um, is that, and so that's why, she, you know, she was allowed to go and live in the Roth house, she was just a neighbor and she yeah. was allowed to go live in the Roth house and stay in Mary's room. Um, and as quickly as it came to her, um, that she kept purporting to be Mary Roth is that, um, she left, uh, the spirit left. And, uh, the woman actually, uh, who was possessed by Mary Roth, um, lived to be in her nineties. Yeah. Oh, wow. She moved, she had moved to Texas and, uh, and finally passed away in her nineties. But, um, uh, still to the, to that day, she never remembered that she didn't remember that month and a half outside of what people have told her. She didn't remember it. So but there's wow. so much positivity there now since the change happened with him being more positive. So it, it, it's not dark. Yeah. It's not dark. All. It's not dark there. You'd almost think that like, you know, the way, I mean, here, the the skeptical part of me is like, how does like Milton Bradley mass produce a a, a game that you know can can conjure, conjure or open right. holes or you know whatever it does, and it's just like this fun little thing that they sell the kids, and then it's like you know then you have I don't know it's like but then you also wonder it's like if there's places that have that history like a hotel where all these people are passing through and things are happening and it's just constant. <laughs> pushing on that barrier of reality in the <laughs> world. So it's like you 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 sort of got to wonder like these soft spots occur and then you bring in something like an Ouija board and it's like, oh yeah, it doesn't, you know, I remember my cousins, it's always one cousin that's moving it. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like, oh yeah, that that's who did it. And that, you know, but you know, you really got something is that, is that if you've ever, you uh, ever had anybody, uh, uh, do the old conventional Ouija, right? Instead of the planchette that you actually use a glass and everybody puts their, their finger on the turn a glass over and everybody puts their finger on the glass, right? A glass is a lot harder when like six people have their index finger on the glass. It's a lot harder to move that glass. Yeah. You know? and no matter who exerts energy on it, it's easy to move that planchette. Yeah. You know, cause it's designed. It usually has that all, uh, that, uh, silver kind of ball bearing thing on the bottom. And, um, you know, it's kind of easy to move it back and forth, but, but if you've ever seen anybody do it with a glass, it's like almost virtually impossible to move it when you have different people's energies on that glass. Yeah. Is that, uh, is that, but again, you know, uh, and I, I can, I can see from the skeptical standpoint of, of, you know, of what it was, but you know, uh, those spirit boards, you know, were really designed probably in the uh, in the 1850s, and then Milton Bradley just took it over and you know kind of yeah. made their their version of it, right? But uh, you know, that was a big communicative tool 
um, in the late 1800s when when spiritualism was really predominant in our society. I mean, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people fake photographs at the time, you know, where they had their the loved one behind them in the photograph and stuff. And that kind of stuff was fake. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, spiritual, you know, this has been, you know, this is one of one of the very few things that that um, in our in civilized history, right, that um, people never have an answer for. Right. So but everyone playing the game wants some something to happen. So everyone's mindset is like, OK, you know, I'm going to allow something to happen. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's basically like, yeah, it, and yeah, I think the thing, you know, I, I've, I've got a lot of friends that are, you know, all over the spectrum with some that are very spiritual and, and, and a lot like you, Lainey, with crystals. And, um, and then I got friends that are just totally like, you know, nothing gets through their wall of, of you know, um, of doubt and skepticism and, you know, just being super scientific and, you know, it's, this is it. And there's nothing beyond that. And it's just, I, I like to, with everything, like whether it's politics or food or, or, uh, you know, ways to do certain things or even that spirituality, like I like to plant myself in the middle and just go like, okay, like I can see both sides. And that's actually why the name of my podcast is called reference point is because, you know, I just, I think everybody has a different understanding if they can put themselves in a different reference point and, and that's how you chart data. And that's how you, you know, understand what you're looking at is from that reference. And, um, no, it's, it's, it's so fascinating to like actually talk to you guys. Cause like I said, I, I would drive by your car, like leaving, you know, my, my apartment every so often. And I just thought maybe you guys were visiting. I didn't realize that you guys had lived there for that long. Um, but uh, this is this is really cool. Um, what man? I had a bunch of questions too that I like wrote down, and I was like, you guys, <laughs> "You guys answered them without me asking them." So I'm like, "Hmm." Hey. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're psychic. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so like, I, I I asked a few friends, like, uh, you know, I was like, "Hey, what should I ask him?" Uh, someone asked, like, "What movies kind of get it right? Like, kind of have it close to." You know, if you've ever watched any supernatural movie, like or show, even like which ones seem to have like the right um, mindset, or I guess explain it in a more realistic way that you know you guys are on the ground. Like I've never, I've, besides a ghost tour on a bus in Chicago and seeing where the Eastland disaster happened, like I've never really gone in with any kind of equipment or anything like that. Like so what movie would you say or movies kind of, I guess, get it? Well, close? I'll throw, uh, yeah, I get what you're saying is that, yeah. <clears throat> is that I'll throw it out there. Um, is that, uh, one of the movies that actually, uh, now the underlying story is, you know, turns out to be like a feel good kind of story, right. Or a hero right. kind of a story, but, um, but the underpinnings of it, um, uh, it was a movie with George C. Scott was made in 1980 it was called the changeling. Oh, okay. And, um, uh, there's a sequence there where this woman who's a sensitive slash psychic <clears throat> comes to, uh, the old house that he's renting and he decides to run the reel to reel recorder while she's doing a reading. And uh, that whole sequence of events 
is really close to how it is when you investigate is, uh, uh, you know, you don't really now, now, of course they, they took Liberty on, you know, having, uh, the table shake and, um, you know, <clears throat> the, uh, the cone, uh, that's used to detect energy, um, at the turn of the century, that cone goes flying and smashes and, uh, you know, so, I mean, they took free license with it, but whoever really put that sequence together actually did uh, investigate. And especially back in the 80s and the 70s, right? I mean, you have the Warrens that, that yeah. kind of set the precedent, um, you know, and uh, they used reel-to-reel -reel recorders. And um, they basically, we've, you know, it, it, we've, we carry on what their legacy was, um, but in with 21st century equipment. You know, and I'd probably say The Conjuring, right? Yes, I, I agree with you 100%. Those two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, The Conjuring's real close. That, that you know, maybe not part two or part three, but right. but really part one, you know, the first original Conjuring, I mean, they, they took their time to actually show you, you know, kind of how it was and how it how it continues to be, even though it's legacy equipment with them, but, you know. So it's definitely not Ghostbusters. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, it was funny when I was a kid. I mean, I even, uh, I mean, I don't know how old I was, but from the time I can remember till the time I was like 11, I was convinced like that was a real job you could have one day. And, you know, when people would ask me like, Michael, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'd be like a Ghostbuster. Um, you know, my dreams were shattered because, you know, I didn't think that they would ever, you know, I would ever find out that it wasn't real, but you know, um, <laughs> the whole, you know, containment fields and, you know, it would uh, be cool if we could. Right. Right. I, I would do it. I'd sign up. Right. I would yeah, too, yeah. Definitely. Um, well, uh, I'm trying to think like what, so like what else, um, I'm trying to kind of like trying to wrap it up a little bit, but, um, like I kind of want to, kind of give you guys some some exposure here and and just wanted to like maybe see if you know if somebody had like what would gra really grab your attention for you guys to like want to go and investigate would it just be like do you have your eyes on something that you guys want to go look at or are you i, I mean you said, you said it's like a hobby like i was going to ask like how much do you charge for your services but you kind of answered that question when saying you know you kind of it's a passion project so right like, what would what would get you guys to show up somewhere? <laughs> I mean, I'm really interested in doing the Jolly at prison. I so oh. bad want to do that prison. Um, yeah. And of course, not with a big group because it's so hard to get real evidence. So that's yeah. why it's just, you know, Don and I, and it's a lot easier to actually, what, debunk what's real oh, yeah. and what's Yeah, because not. if we know it's just us, Right. And we know we're, we're, we always try to stay within striking distance of one another is that, so anything that you encounter or experience, right. And then we know it's not us, so it's gotta be something else, right. Yeah. Something, something, there's always a cause and effect. And, um, and yeah, no, I agree with Laney is that, is that if they wouldn't charge such astronomical prices to do a private investigation there, <laughs> Uh, you know, we would, we would go there uh, in an instant and do it. I know we would, but what really intrigues us is, uh, and not really so much history, but history of experiences, I think is the best way to put it. Right. I would say it, it, is that, is that when somebody 
you know, uh, not so much that, you know, uh, uh, man a passed away and, and two of his children passed away and, you know, that's kind of not it, but, but when things are, are, uh, purported to be, um, really haunted or strange occurrences happen on a continuous basis in this environment, right. Is that we're there. I mean, we would, we would be there in a heartbeat. But they, like what you said about person A passing away, person B passing away, we've done that before. And I'm pretty open-minded, I would say. Like some people just need that closure to see if they're going to go ahead and cross over or what, whatever religion they believe in. So for me, I think I'm more open-minded, but you're right. It would be more exciting if right. there was a lot more going on, of course. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. No, I think... That's, you know, there's probably a lot of it too. People do look for that, you know, that closure. They don't want to believe. And maybe that's what ties things to this earth is, or this realm or whatever is, is the, the fact that, you know, like you mentioned the, the house with the woman that had miscarriages, you know, and it's like, that's a devastating thing to go through and, and the, the longing for it and, you know, the, whatever that emotional attachment is, um, you know, could be what tethers things to a place or uh, a feeling or w whatever it is. And uh, I mean, my dad's got stories for, I mean, he, he had a huge family and there was, you know, around the time that he was, you know, from 10 to 18, you know, all the older relatives started to, to die off and there would always be something significant that would happen, like a, a rocking chair moving or a painting would fall off a wall. And then right after the painting fall off the wall, from the hospital saying that so-and-so just passed and they were always fixing that painting you know and and it, yeah it's it's we did a um investigation it was a private investigation last october and uh, uh the guy passed away he was what 90 something 89 yeah, he was an older guy, so he died in his bed. Um, so we were called in two weeks later to see if we could communicate with him. And on the, uh, what was it, the Connect, um, the SLS Connect, we actually saw a figure just flying from the bed. Or actually, it wasn't from the bed. It was by the doorway, and it was flying. And it actually went underneath the door to get out. Like ducked down. Ducked down. And went went through the door. And that was um, DuPage County private residence. Right. That was on, we posted that video mm -hmm. along with the poulter tune was going off. We would ask it to uh, set the poulter tune off and the music box would go off. Explain explain to Mike what the poulter tune is. The poulter tune is kind of, it's like a, a sensor. So um, you know those lights that you plug in and they you walk in front of it and it goes off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of similar to that. Yeah. Um, but instead of it lighting up, it goes ahead and plays music, kind of creepy music as well. <laughs> but every time we would ask it to walk in front of the music box to set it off, the music box went off. Um, we actually, at the same time, got a figure sitting next to the music box playing with it on the oh, SLS. I that one, yeah, yeah was, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, is that, uh, is that, yeah. And I, and you know, um, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, we've traveled to different places to, you know, uh, where there hasn't been, uh, a lot of purported, you know, things. And I mean, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but Bradford exchange, you know, they always sell these, uh, um, 
<clears throat> these continuous subscription type things of sculptures or pocket knives or you know you can sign up and you can get the whole collection of you know zippo lighters I think they're uh, in you know, Illinois, for, Niles. For, yeah, Illinois. for the 50 states or whatever. Well, yeah. they happen to have had uh, this uh, subscription thing for sculptures of the most haunted houses in America. And oh, so, okay. so they make these houses that are replicas of the houses that are haunted. And it comes with a little uh, newspaper clipping, uh, you know, uh, of some of the things that are, uh, are reported to have happened in the, you know, in these houses. And so one of the houses that was there was McPike Mansion. And that's what drove us to actually go to McPike Mansion to try to get a hold of Sharon, who's the proprietor uh, of McPike, um, to actually go there and investigate. So, you know, I really wish that uh, that a lot of these uh, uh, houses that Bradford Exchange did are on the East Coast or they're in like Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, right? There's not really any of them outside of uh, the Alton, Illinois one that's really around here. So, yeah. uh, so, but we, you know, is that, is that that's kind of a goal of mine too, is that whenever we get an opportunity, um, you know, if we could, I would love to do one of the houses that they, you know, reported to be like super haunted, right? You know, that would be cool. and yeah. then we could just check it off the list. Cause I think yeah. there's like, yeah. there's like 25 houses. So, right, yeah. right. You can almost do like an advent calendar of, you know. The <laughs> yeah. Right. We were there. We were there. We were there. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, cool. Well, I think, um, man, I, I love to keep talking to you guys, but I think uh, I got to, you know, hit the hit the uh, bed soon. But um, this was awesome. Like, I'm, I was really excited that that we were able to schedule this in and, and um, we definitely can do this again, I'm sure. Um, a lot more uh, we can talk about too. So, and I'm sure yeah. as well as you too. So we'll definitely yeah, and we would we you know we would love to be back. And uh, you know, uh, we're, yeah. we're we're trying to start, even though COVID has kind of like you know reared its ugly head for us too. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, even though we investigate, right? I mean, what what better social distancing there is than to uh, go investigate ghosts, right? I mean, you can't. Right. Really, I mean, like, like, a prison should totally let you come in now. Like it's like. Yeah, come like any money <laughs> <laughs> just, just come in right how much is it by the way if you don't mind me asking fifteen hundred dollars for okay. uh, for five hours for five hours all right you can probably get a kickstarter going maybe maybe we can <laughs> maybe if the podcast you know blossoms into something that's that's know. right that's right you know i'm hoping that one of these days somebody will just call us up and invite us and be like yeah. hey why don't you just come that you know awesome. exactly. that is that yeah. uh is that but yeah, so we, uh, you know, uh, we're trying to book stuff out, out for um, 2021, and the reason why I bring that up to you is because of the fact that uh, that so when we, you know, uh, if you follow our channel a little bit and you uh, garnish some more evidence, or we garnish some more evidence, uh, you know, we would love to be back to talk about, you know, some specific investigations that yeah. we did. What is the best way to like follow you guys? Because I've been to your, your website, but is there another platform that you guys use to kind of put things out there? Or? Uh, just on YouTube, uh, oh, okay. that YouTube channel, Specter Waves, Specter Waves. Okay. Is that, and uh, you know, if you jump out on the YouTube channel, um, we had to do it twice because somebody else had Specter Waves. And so, <laughs> so I figured, you know, YouTube wouldn't let us do it any other way. So uh, we did Specter Waves, Specter Waves, because we like to repeat ourselves. So, um, but, but it's out there. And uh, yeah, if you subscribe to the channel, usually within three days of an investigation, I usually have at least a couple of videos up. 
um you know after i go after we go through uh you know devouring through all the mountains of uh video and audio uh things and we try to compartmentalize what we get and put it out there and put it up so yeah i mean you know um that's the best way for anybody to follow us um because that's usually the first platform that we uh that we put the stuff up on cool um awesome well i'm definitely gonna man i'm gonna probably post this tonight and uh i'll send you guys the the link and everything so if you guys want to share it and um it should the way it works is i host it on anchor and it just puts it on all the platforms um and uh yeah i haven't yeah like i said this has been the first one i've done since probably was it june i think was the last time i did it and yeah i mean and, and it kind of, it's kind of funny because the subject matter and you mentioned changeling, which is really interesting because that's what the fairy rings in uh, England are about is that if you enter into one, you can switch out with another entity and it's called a changeling. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny how it came full circle and it kind of picks up from my, my last episode unintentionally because, you know, I've been trying to get other, um, other kind of podcast things going and other people to interview. And it's just like, well, finally, someone's responding to my email. <laughs> so, um, well, I'm going to end it here. Um, and then, uh, well, I'm going to stop the recording. And then, um, uh, well, let me do that right now.